and welcome to the Mixzone Women's Soccer Podcast, sponsored by Icarus FC and Roughneck Scarves. This is episode number 304. With that number, we'll give a shout out to Utah Royals defender Elizabeth Ball. In her three years in the league across all competitions, she has played 2,304 minutes on the field, including every minute of the NWSL Fall Series. All right, two chats today. First, I spoke with Canadian goalkeeper Erin McLeod talking about her decision to return to the NWSL with the Orlando Pride and then, of course, having to turn around and go play on loan in Iceland. We also spoke about the Mindful Project, which she recently co-founded. The Mindful Project helps athletes of all levels manage stress and anxiety, also foster personal growth. It's a really interesting Project. The Orlando Pride has already started using the program, as have a few professional clubs in Europe. And then I talked to Tony from Analytica, or rather NWSL Analytica, the Twitter handle, on how he got into watching Woso, what led him to launch that Twitter feed this summer during the Challenge Cup. Got his thoughts on the fall series, and he also talked about uh, the unique challenges facing women's soccer in his native Argentina. Um, he does occasionally do webinars, and his DMs are open. So if anybody has a question for Tony, his Twitter handle is NWSL Analytica, and that is A N A L I T I C A. And this week's Gensplainer segment talks about the waiver deadline, what that means for all teams. Um, the waiver deadline will hit probably by the time you're listening to this. Uh, it's supposed to be October 22nd. And don't forget to follow me at MixZone on Twitter, also at Keeper Notes. Keep in mind, there's always two X's in MixZone. And please share, subscribe, like, all those things you do to podcasts to help other people know how much you like them. All right, Jen Cooper, the keeper here with Tony from NWSL Analytica, the amazing Twitter feed that launched this year and kept us all captivated during Challenge Cup and also Fall Series. I have to admit that I would occasionally Tony keep your 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 Twitter feed up in front of me when I was calling games so so first you know tell me and tell the listeners a little bit about who you are where you are right now and and how you got engaged in NWSL so so seriously I mean you're, you're not some casual tweet person you're like hardcore analytical stats uh, first and foremost, thank you very much for the invitation, and I'm really glad to be here. It's really interesting to, for me to to listen to someone that I usually uh, listen on my TV talking with me. So <laughs> that's an experience. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, um, how I get involved with with uh, soccer and women's soccer. I mean, my love for for football, that, like we usually call it here. Um, started when I was really, really young because I'm in, I'm Argentina, I'm living in Buenos Aires. So football is like, I don't know, water for us. Um, so I started watching any kind of, of football around what, 1997, 1998. Um, 1998 was the first World Cup that actually, from men's World Cup that I actually watched and, and I have memories about it. And then I started uh, either drawing uh, shirts uh, fantasy shirts or keeping stats on, <laughs> on, on paper 
uh, to be honest. I nice. do remember that. Keeping tabs of goals and assists and stuff that you can do when you're young. Um, I'm a sport journalist. I have coaching degrees. I am a scout. Uh, I have. I try to do all the courses I can. Um, and yeah, I'm, about women's soccer, I start watching in a more casual way around 2015 with the uh, World Cup in Canada. And slowly, and as have the time and the weights and the means to watch games, I started to be more interested and and thought, okay, this is this is something that has a high ceiling that it's it's still in this way to be better in, in and it's really interesting because you can see a lot of talent and it doesn't have them yet even now the respect and the the you know that the, there is not a, as common as as men's football to watch um yeah. so yeah in now with this year um just because I got unemployed, <laughs> uh, like <laughs> many other people. Um, I had the time and the expertise because in 2014, I did a similar account, but beat Argentinian uh, men's uh, soccer. And I thought, yeah, why not? I mean, it's something that people told me that it would be interesting. Sometimes I did it on my personal account. I remember doing a thread about, I don't know, uh, Maria Leon from, from Barcelona or Steffi Vanini from Levante or... Or, or Lina Magul in, in Bayern Munich, the people, um, players that I like, and I made some some threads about it with some videos and, and all that, and, and people got a good response even in my personal account. So I thought, yeah, why not? Why not make a website that I stop writing about because I don't have the time and go full on Twitter, uh, merge my experience working as a social media manager with uh, my experience and my knowledge from my coaching courses and stats and here we are. Well, and I, I love the timing that, you know, that it did coincide with the challenge cup, which of course is also a product of COVID-19 <laughs> um, and uh, along with all the other wonderful new accounts that we got this summer of, you know, the, the challenge cup glare and the challenge cup playground and, and all of that. But right. tell me when you look at the challenge cup, you know, what were the highlights for you in terms of, you know, trends or favorite moments or, you know, s stories that you saw unfold because of the stats you were following or, you know, what, what are your favorite memories of the challenge cup? Um, I think I'm going to be a little bit at, at first, a little bit uh, not, uh, creative or new okay. because I think everyone was surprised by the dash. I didn't write bad about the dash, but um, I, I I was caught by the way they were playing, how how uh, um, very attacking they how attacking they were, how how it surprised me because I I thought they were a little more struggling, maybe not uh, in a bad way, like they will be bad. But I was surprised of how they were, how they played, and, and the idea they have in, in in their style. It was really interesting to see, see how it develops, and the little partnerships that were working about that was really interesting. Uh, Sky Blues surprised me too. Kuchio uh, surprised me a lot. Um, yes. Absolutely, she was. She, she's a monster. Uh, she, she's amazing. Um, in in a more. Uh, interesting way see the see the evolution of Mitch Purse as a right back that was something 
uh, because many people were were uh, saying that she's a forward. I mean, I mean, yes, she's a forward, but the the cries in in in, in social media uh, to free Mitch um, were really interesting. <laughs> but over time, yeah. watching the games and and checking uh, either the stats, the heat maps, or whatever, anything else, you saw a player getting the the grips of the position, and that was really interesting to see. I remember the, the first the first game. I was really critical um, because she she get to to narrow positions that she shouldn't be. Uh, sometimes overlapping with the center backs instead of, of keeping herself wide um, or making runs when she shouldn't. And over time, you see a player that understands how it, how it is to be a right back, and that was really cool to see. Um, then Rain was another team that I was really surprised. They had a lot of talent now, even now, uh, even if um, they lost Fishlock to, to be on loan. Um, and I think that they're just now getting to find a way to function in, in, a, in a way uh, that works for them. But because in the Challenge Cup, it was really dull to see in a way. They, they, they still had to sort out the, the midfielders. They were overlap, overlapping with themselves a lot. And yeah, I mean, the Challenge Cup, I think it was it was made for the dash because it's, it's, it's a tournament, it's a short tournament. And when you have a high energy team that doesn't care a lot about the ball, doesn't care about position, possession, but to score goals, uh, they're probably going to be the, the, the winners. You don't need to... to dominate the game in, in that kind of uh, tournaments. Uh, and we saw a lot of examples over time about about that. Yeah, and, and I was telling uh, a friend of mine recently, he, he was like, oh, I wish there were more games this year. I want more of the Dash. And I, I said, hey, I think we should be thankful that we got the games we did. And I kind of said what you said. I, I was like, that tournament structure, I think, really benefited the Dash. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, it, it wouldn't, it won't be the if we look historically, the first team that uh, just tried to score goals and and not to dominate games and to win the, a tournament. Uh, we were so close, Argentinians in 2014. Uh, I mean, people will, will remember Messi, but we, we were a team that would love to counterattack, and many of the goals that we score were counterattacking, like the dash. Um, the Netherlands in the in the last Euros, uh, women's Euros, also wasn't a team relying a lot on possession. And it was just fun to see. They just overlap a lot and trying to get wide with Martins and 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 Van der Sanden to and get the ball to Midima. And I think we saw something similar to in the dash, besides the, the orange. Uh, we saw a lot of uh, wide positions with, with, with Prince and and Christy Mew is uh, playing as kind as a 10 and she room getting um, to, to get uh, late runs to the box. Uh, it was, it was a really fun and entertaining, entertaining uh, team. Uh, Rachel Daly, obviously now she's, she's at West Ham and fun, fun enough. She's the leader in dribbles. So she's still creating some, <laughs> some, some dash chaos in London right now. I, I love that you had that that little note ready. I, I love those <laughs> little those little nuggets. So, I mean, what kind of a response were you getting uh, throughout the cup as you were sharing more and more 
analytical information. I mean, did you see a huge spike in your followers or just people going, this is great. Give me more. <laughs> um, to be honest, I didn't expect a lot. I, again, it was kind of a pet project. I had a lot of time in my hands and for a couple of months I was literally doing nothing because sometimes when you, when you get out from a place that you are not really comfortable and you're not really happy, you should try to enjoy yourself. Uh, and I got to watch a lot of TV and lo- play a lot and read a lot. But after a while, I, I thought, okay, I want to do something. And one of the things that I wanted to start was NWC Analytica. And I really didn't expect to have, I don't know, more than 50 followers or to or what I am right now, actually. Um, and I, I don't remember which which was the first uh, journalist from, uh, from Twitter that retweeted me and things snowballing from there. I think it was Jonathan Tannen. Well, I'm not sure, but I think it was him. Um, and then Meg uh, retweeted me, and then, um, I know, uh, the people from, from the teams and the players sometimes retweet me. And, yeah, I mean, it snowballed. It was really interesting and a little bit uh, surprising for me, the, the, the response that I had, the people from people being really thankful that this kind of, of stats were out there and and some people that are trying to to understand what was tweeted about like what's XG. Uh, it, it, it's like the most common question right now. What's expected goals? Um then then yeah. from from that, yeah. Uh, from that I, I had the chance to do two webinars about stats and trying to make more um rounded what what is what expected goals? What is expected exists? What I, why I, uh, what it means when I when I talk about a, a role of a player and not just a forward. When I say a pressing forward, what it is or a Ram Deuter or a, I know a ball playing defender. And yeah, I mean it, it was an evolution. People start to ask a lot about that, and I say, okay, what if I do a webinar instead of, of answering fifty tweets per day? <laughs> what if I do a webinar? And it went really well. And now I plan to do um, some stream on streams on Twitch, which was something I, I was doing before uh, this, but playing. I said, okay, what if I go to Twitch and we talk about the games of the weekend? And yeah, I mean it was kind of a natural evolution between. What people were saying to me, asking me, asking about uh, what I was tweeting uh, around, and then I got to follow the players of that were on loan uh, this past month, and that was also really interesting. Interesting to to do because people started to be more uh, conscious about the, the the games in other places in the world, and yeah, that was really funny, and I really enjoyed so far uh, the experience of this couple of months uh, around the. The Warsaw community. Well, and what I love about what you provide, I mean, for me personally, it's a compliment to my information, which is not related to the game in progress, right? Like my right. information is historical. It's last time something happened, number of appearances, number of goals, number of right. assists, number of corner kicks. Which is what um, I like. <laughs> and, right, right, right. It's, it's, it's like, and they're both important, but they are different 
category of, of stats. And so I loved being able to have access to, to something like that. And I think that really enhances, you know, just the overall experience of watching the game because, you know, we can't kid ourselves that we know that every year there's more and more people watching women's soccer and a lot of them are new to watching soccer. Right. Right. Not just women's soccer. We know that a lot of them are new to watching soccer. We also have um, the differences, uh, the cultural differences, you know, as I'm running into talking about the college draft or the expansion draft on the international feed that for an international fan who is used to watching soccer, they're like, what? What is a draft? What is an expansion draft? Um, or as you mentioned to me before we recording, uh, why does the clock count down in NCAA soccer, <laughs> right? And we're, we're also at this time where more and more soccer, including women's soccer, is available to stream on demand, live, cheaply, sometimes free, um, you know, so that you can watch multiple games at the same time, you know, that all these NWSL players going on loan, we can still watch their games and if not live we can re-watch them right and some of you you, you can capture right like it's still i i see the frustration out there people are like why can't it all be in one place it's like yeah that's never going to happen that's never existed in the past um you know so we need to look at it it's like the important thing is the availability is unlike anything before and i think right. we finally turned a corner on not just the NWSL, but a lot of the European leagues realizing that there's demand for that video beyond their own borders. Right. Right. Um, you know, trying to watch the Australian league a few seasons back and, you know, and everything's geo blocked. So you had to have uh, a VPN that showed that you were watching from Australia, right. Where it's like, I don't understand, you know, why wouldn't they want more people watching? And it's just lack of vision on, you know, on the operation side of things. So it's so wonderful to see that more and more of that is on demand. And one of the smartest things I think that the NWSL ever did, whether they did it intentionally or not, but that first season, every game was on YouTube. I think Boston, you still had to pay for, but like the accessibility of it, right? You know, I start calling Dash games in 2014 and I start having people follow me from Switzerland, South Africa, Singapore, you know, it's like, what? But because, because it's accessible, right? Doesn't cost you anything. You don't worry about geo blocking and it's archived up there. So if you didn't see it live, you can still watch the game from the start. You can watch it over and over. Um, And now that, you know, NWSL has moved on from its YouTube era, you know, the fact that CBS you know, they still have at least three more years of broadcasting NWSL in USA and Canada. And then you partnering that with Twitch, right? Like they're making sure everybody can watch. Like, I think we got over the hurdle of the horrible go 90 situation from, from 2017. Right. So it's going to be little hiccups, but it, it it's like more and more, you know, I, I see the league from a management perspective, focusing on how do we, get it so more people can watch how do we make sure that they can stay engaged what can we do to add to their engagement you know right like like the last few games that i was on twitch for the fall series being able to jump on the twitch chat which is still kind of overwhelming right but but i love to see what people are watching why they're watching questions they have and really getting to understand what their point of engagement 
is um and and i just love i mean i mean this this would be true for almost anyone i've talked to for my podcast just like all of these great stories and connections being made simply through women's football right worldwide like there's no barrier between me and texas and you and argentina we're both watching the same game at the same time right absolutely it's 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 an amazing thing um so tell me your thoughts on on the fall series i mean one i I feel really thankful that we were able to have more soccer because i think when challenge cup ended we were all like this can't be it that was so great we need more right um and and I like that it was a different format. I mean, it was a struggle for some clubs, especially with players going on loan. But I I thought it was pretty exciting to follow. But tell me tell me what you thought. Um, I think I'm, I mean I, I remember a lot of people talking about the Challenge Cup and being a little bit skeptical, um, especially from the health perspective. Um, I, I I was a little bit more skeptical about the full series, but I think from a competitive perspective. I mean, okay, I'm a Thorns fan. I'm going to be open about it. Many people know it, but I'm going to be open here about it. <laughs> I'm a Thorns fan. Uh, I'm happy that Thorns won. But in a way, it, 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 it feels weird because it's not like the Thorns competed with everyone. You see what I mean? I mean, there's a lot of... Yeah. I, don't, I don't even know how... I mean, if I were a coach in the WSL, which I'm going to be also really um, open about this, be thankful that any team in the WSL doesn't have him as a coach. But if I were a coach, I, I don't know where to begin in terms of um, getting to, to know what my team needs because the rivals are basically the same. And there's just two. Uh, I mean, it, it, I, I'm really happy that, that we got games and it was a little bit more entertaining, more open than the Challenge Cup, either from, yes. from attacking and the opportunity to see a lot of players that uh, didn't have a lot of minutes, especially in teams like Orlando or, or, or Utah. Um, and that's that's probably the highlight of the 2020. Get to see that even if the, all the players, they're really uh, a hallmarked, uh, lived in WSL, even if it is in a permanent basis, um, there, is, there are players they're up to the to the task and you can have a good product and you can have good entertainment. And that's what the full series provided. A lot of goals, a lot of great um great um games. Even the last one uh was, was really entertaining. Orlando against the courage that that draw was something I think no one expected at halftime. Uh the Dash and Courage game were really entertaining. And I think that's the high value of the full series in my opinion. I think it, the the quality of the play was really good and and entertaining and entertainment for for the viewers either in the United States or, or, or abroad. Uh, they got a really good product in, in in for no for no money, which is probably the best part. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I liked like you said that it was more open. Um, it was somewhere around three and a half goals per game compared to challenge cup. It was maybe like 1.3, 1.4. And of course, Mm -hmm. a lot of that was less compressed schedule, not as much heat, varying lineups, you know, all over the map. Um, Less pressure without the the semifinals and done. Right. Um, But I love that 
I wouldn't say it was better or worse than Challenge Cup. I would just say just like Challenge Cup is different from the regular season, Fall Series was a different beast. And it was strange right. that Portland wins the whole thing having only played Rain in Utah. But I think considering everything we're dealing with right now, that was the right um, solution to, to limit travel as much as possible, right? Like NWSL can't do what MLS is doing and require right. teams to charter in and out um you know, on the day of the game. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I just thought that there's not another solution. <laughs> but yeah. I, again, uh, it, it gives you sometimes, it might give you a different perspective than the reality when you're trying to evaluate your team, which heading into 2021 might be really interesting. Uh, even now, we when we have in a few weeks uh, expansion draft. So it... it it gives you different tools and you you see reality through a different lens. So I'm really, I don't, I don't want to be in in the shoes of any coach right now. That's my, I know. I I didn't, you know, I couldn't communicate it too much during the live broadcast because obviously you want to focus on the game that's at hand, but trying to get the point across that, you know, the season's not over in terms of th- stories to follow, right? Because the waiver deadline is Thursday, which that's when teams have to extend contracts to anyone whose contract is up or waive people that they don't want to keep having, right? Or tra- make any trades and, and, and all that stuff. So <laughs> you know, it's, it's like, it's so much, right? Um, and, and you know that all those coaches have to think about Okay, well, I have these these players I want to protect. I I can only protect up to two U.S. national teamers. This player has been a great developmental job, but I only have so many space. Like, and and do you think of the teams that got to see a lot of players um, in the fall series, right? Like Orlando had the most short term contracts, right? Because they had the most people on loan. Whereas a club like Portland, no one was on a short term contract. Um, you know, for Houston, the three short-termers they they signed didn't play. They were just signing them to have practice players, right? So, so it's it's very different for all these these clubs. And I think one of the areas where we're still lacking in terms of really great coverage of women's football is not what I do, not what you do, and not what a lot of the journalists do. But that kind of pundit, uh, the constant punditry from many different voices analyzing all these stories. Like I think about when an NWSL draft is approaching and it's just this onslaught, right. Of who the team that has an one pick, who they're going to pick and why they're going to pick them and why they shouldn't pick them and all those stories. Right. And we just don't get, we're not there yet for women's soccer. And one of the things that I've run into and, and, and I want your thoughts on this as well. Recently people have run into that grow. Oh, I was so excited to see the dash but I'm really worried about the league because all these players have left. And and these are people that follow enough, but don't follow really deeply. And and I'm like, look, Mm -hmm. the bulk of the people that went abroad, they were international players that needed to be in Europe for their qualifiers. They couldn't have to, they didn't want to deal with quarantine on both sides of the trip. Right. I said, you have your five us national teamers. Four of them are on one year deals. Morgan's on a loan that ends in December. Right. And she needed coming back from 
maternity leave, she had the choice of, oh, I can get four games <laughs> with with Orlando, or I could get potentially 10, 12 games with Tottenham, you know, and she's she's looking ahead to the Olympics. What do I need to do to make the Olympics? Uh, then you also look at players like, say, CeCe Kaiser from the Dash, mm-hmm. who James Clarkson knew she wasn't going to be able to get a lot of minutes um, so they wanted to get her alone so she could have week in, week out minutes for the rest of the fall. Right. So once I explained this to my friend, he's like, Oh, thank you. I feel so much better now. <laughs> and it's the kind of thing I, I realize that we're so used to having all of that analysis of sports for every other sport. And it's still not out there enough in women's soccer. I'm not right. saying it's not necessarily being done and written, but it's not amplified and dominating the airwaves and you know all, all that stuff but right. you know what are what are your thoughts i mean when you started to see the moves in august of loans just a couple of transfers mostly loans and you know all those loans end in december what what did you think uh first foremost i'm going to give you another another snippet kaiser has three starts and three goals in three weeks she's doing really well in in norway um i mean i I think that that's a little bit culture um at least for me because as argentinians we are used to our best players to leave really soon and (laughs) good point good point overall the quality of the league, um, it's the same. I mean, if if it drops, it's not because the players are worst. It's not because the coaches are worst. It's because there isn't enough funding to maintain the um, uh, the league. Yeah, I'm talking about men's league. I mean, they don't have enough funding or TV deals or sponsorships right. or whatever because inflation and stuff that happens in Argentina that many of you listening, maybe you're not really uh, used to hear like inflation. Well, it, it exists. Um, but then if I want to compare to NWSL, like, like I said, if you, if you watch the Challenge Cup, if you watch the full series, even if the players let's say they extend the deal so they ended up being a permanently deal for whatever reason. Um, you do have enough, a lot of players in a, a, a good league. There's well structure. You have a commissioner that's really, um, that cares about the league and wants to, to give the opportunities and make it grow. And, and not only in the United States, but also internationally. And the games are good. The games are entertaining. Uh, overall, I mean, obviously, like any other league, you can get a neon nail that's really boring, but that happens everywhere. I think it's it's dumb, but because usually you in the United States, you get, you're culturally used to have the best of. Uh, if you look to other sports, uh, baseball, you have the best league in the world. If you look to basketball, you have the best league in the world. And you're used to have the best players and you're used to have the best teams. And I think that I understand the point of why these players are chosen to to leave the United States. But even if you explain to to them how how it works, the teams have really good players. They have really good coaches and they have the quality and the quantity to make the league work anyway. And you can see that with the campus, uh, the camp that's, that's going right now um, for the national team. You have a lot of uh, players that probably won't be there if it wasn't for, for the Challenge Cup, the full series and all the loans that, that happen to be 
how, how many would thought that somehow Christy Mewis, uh, Mitch Birds, or, or Roger Bledsoe will have a shot to, to the Olympics, maybe? No one yeah. at, a year ago. Right. I mean, I feel like Vlako Nanowski got a reprieve with everything being pushed back a year, you know, in the hardest job in women's soccer. And at the same time, this opening for, like you said, Christy Mewis, Aubrey Bledsoe, Shea Groom, Bethany Balser, all the players that that are getting the call for this October camp because, you know, he's not calling in the players in Europe and other players have opted out. You know, it's 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 an unprecedented thing, but it's such an amazing opportunity. Um, and I think too, a natural extension to the December camp that he was able to do last year. Um, and since you mentioned Argentina, I also, you know, want to ask you about, uh, you know, the women's game in your country, you know, we, we saw Argentina make the 25th, sorry, the 2019 women's world cup. That was the first time they had been in the tournament since 2007. I believe, Um, you know, and had that incredible performance in the group stage to come back and tie Scotland. Uh, But, you know, give us, give us some tidbits on the women's game in Argentina. Every time I remember that game, (laughs) there were two two (laughs) times I was, I was still working there in an office and there were two games that actually made me like, go out, out in emotions and not caring about the, the, the work I, would do, I was doing and just watching the game. And the first one, obviously for me, it's um, Spurs coming back against Ajax in the semifinals of the, of the Champions League. And that, that game against Scotland, uh, after the first goal for Argentina, I said, okay, guys, I'm not going to work anymore. I don't care. <laughs> I'm just going to watch the game. Um, the game, the game here in Argentina, it's it's uh, women's game. It's uh, how to put it. It's it has some. Thankfully for that performance in the World Cup, we can see a lot of, of strong, um, interested, interesting for 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 some of the of the population that wasn't really aware of uh, the women's team or the or the women's football here in, in the country. Uh, there was some some interest from from. The people that had the rights for the for the TV, uh, showing some of the games, um, and some some clubs, some teams uh, funding their teams in the way they should be. Uh, after that, and I think some of your listeners will be aware uh, after what Macarena Sanchez did, which was basically sue her team for firing her. Um, uh-huh. After after that movement. We got to to I think it's a half we're halfway there because yeah I mean the the the, F, the the national FA wants to to call it it's professional but it's not really professional because only a contract at the bare minimum it's not really a professional game it's just barely doing yeah. a lot it's better it's a step forward I do get it but we we are not there yet at least compared to to what brazil is doing or even what chile is doing um there's a project going on um they're gonna push up the number of uh contracts minimum contracts for each team from from 9 to 12 and then to 16 in seven years and they're gonna um, uh, force the team so if you want to be in the first division you have to have uh, an under 17 team and under 15 team in a couple of years so there's a lot of uh, 
bureaucratic uh, movement uh, there the, the 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 national association wants to the team and the national and the women's game to to be better but there's a lot of uh, still a lot of uh, people saying that nobody cares about women's football and and that the the game are really it's really bad and all that misogynistic views from people that never get to watch a game uh, ever ever in their life about women's football. They just want to to share their opinions without really knowing what what's going on. And yeah, I mean. It's it's fifty fifty for me. Um, I I see people trying to be involved, trying to be uh, more interested in and in trying to get to learn the players, trying to to watch the games. I know I don't know if you get to YouTube and watch uh, River Plate's uh, games, they're always um, sold out, even if they're playing a little little stadium besides the Monumental. Um, so I mean, it, it's fifty-fifty, really. Um, there's a lot of, of work to be done for sure. Uh, it's a shame that the team got out of the under-20s qualifiers for the World Cup, uh, and that's another of the of the outcry from the from the supporters that we should change our our manager, our coach. Um, but I think it also lacks from from what the NWL has done really well, which is uh, getting the, the games out there uh, for the people to watch it easily. Some of the games, for example, uh, of the league games are televised, but Sunday at 9 a.m., who, who wants to watch a game at 9 a.m. if you're a casual viewer? Probably no one. You just, just... I noticed that when I was researching Panama's Women's League before the Women's World Cup, that the first season they did, they ended up having games canceled because they were making games at like 8 a.m. at a venue that was a four-hour bus ride away. It's like, right. well, of course the other team's going to have a problem getting there. Absolutely. It, 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 it's the same here. Um, sometimes you, they want to schedule a game on Tuesday at 4 p.m., and still, many of the of the players have a daytime job to make a living, right? So they cannot get to the game. Uh, there's, there's a lot of progress to be done, and I'm I'm really happy the people are more vocal about it. Uh, they want to push about it and and make it actually professional. Uh, there are better coaches. There is a lot of uh, interest interest to to um, provide uh, the coaches with tools. But also, and I think this is this is me because I'm 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 a bit of a nut, and I want to watch every game that I can possibly can. Um, I do see some um, lack of interest in outside of Argentina games, and for me, it's a little it's a little bit painful because I think that the only way we one of the ways as a player, as a as a fan, as a viewer, or as a coach to improve what you're doing is to watch something else. And sometimes I came across players from different uh, different teams here in Argentina that are preferring to watch, I don't know, a Champions League game instead of uh, a, a Wolfsburg game, for example. There is free to watch uh, and it's really easy to watch. And I don't know, it, it, it feels odd, odd to me because I think it's still cultural that we prefer to watch men's uh, soccer 
uh, sometimes I do tweet in my personal account, I know Juventus is kind of playing. We have Daniele Polito playing there or in, in the team. And, or sometimes Lean in Norway is going to play and we have Mariana Larroquette um, available mm-hmm. to play. And you just need, again, you just need a VPN and you can watch it. But they prefer to watch, I don't know, uh, Wolverhampton today, for example, which I, I don't fault. I, I, I don't blame you to do it. But if you if you want to support your peers, you will do it too. I think it's it, again, it's a little bit cultural that we still prefer when we when we talk about football, we still talk about men's football only. Yeah, and and I I, I still resent that women's football can be treated as one silo, as if it were one league. So you'll right. see it's like. You'll see links where it's like Premier League, MLS, Serie A, Liga MX, you know, Bundesliga, women's football. It's like, right. n- n- no, no, it, women's football is so much bigger than just, you know, one little link like, like that. Well, last question for you, Tony. Um, you know, for, for people that are following NWSL Analytica and are trying to learn more about that side, the, you know, the, the analyzing the trends and stats of the game in progress, you know, what would you recommend they do to get to get up to speed on that? Like movies to watch, books to read, <laughs> videos to watch, you know, like other accounts to follow. I mean, it's like if someone is finding this is so intriguing. I want to learn more. Wh- what direction would you send them in? That's, that's really interesting. Um, I think that there's a lot of accounts that do the same or that um, kind of use the same language, if you want to, to, to call it, uh, on men's uh, football. And I think it's really interesting because uh, you, you get to learn quickly. You have stats bomb that sometimes has some curses that you can do. Um I can I can post obviously some videos from Tifo, which is a really good YouTube account. They explain the expected goals, it's explain a lot of tactical sides. Uh, there's a lot of articles in the Athletic that are really good. Uh, obviously, my my DMs are always always open. So anyone that wants to to question anything, um, it's it's there to to do it. Um, and yeah, I mean. Uh, all the, I think that this is something you, you you know really well. But most of the analytics part of 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 on sports got that kind of of cliche that is like moneyball, like the like the movie. So if you want to watch it, just do or, <laughs> yeah. read, or read the book, just do it out of curiosity. I think it's really cool. I'm that's something that came across a lot. It's uh, that people that that do uh, programming. And, and computer languages, they ask me stuff and I'm like, I'm not a programmer. I'm just kind of a coach that I understand a little bit of tactics and use numbers. Um, so learning about that will be, it's really good. If you want to to learn about languages, uh, computer languages, it will help you a lot. There's a lot of, uh, for example, one of my friends that I got to to actually know from this Twitter account has uh, created a package in a language called R and it's free to use and has all the WSL data. And so you can do your own your own stuff if you want to. Uh, it's really fun to do. It's, it's really interesting to learn. And if you want to mix uh, computer languages with football, you can do it this way. Um, and yeah, I mean, sometimes so I do it's webinars. It's amazing confluence. It's this amazing confluence of 
you know, computer nerd with soccer nerd. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, actually, <laughs> we, we have a Discord, one of the of the um, channels. It's nerd stuff. And I just usually don't <laughs> talk a lot because I'm not really good with computer languages. But there's a lot of people asking about I know, how to plot an arrow in a pass and stuff like this. Like, I mean, my, my brain doesn't process it that quickly. And it's not, I'm not really good with that. Um, and then sometimes I do webinars. So you're all invited to, to um, get into the, to the webinars when I do it. I usually do one, one uh, a month. They're really cheap, in my opinion. I think that it's a couple of coffees, at least. And mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, if you want to know a little bit more on my DMs, always open. I know the expected goals is not something that people grasp yet. But mm-hmm. yeah, um, there's a lot of resources and, and websites that are probably going to help you a lot. And always happy to help myself. Well, Tony, thank you so much for taking the time to chat about this. I really enjoyed it. And, and keep up the great work you're doing with Andrew Cell and Politica. Uh, no, no problem at all. I'm really, again, I'm really thankful to be here. Uh, and again, it's really weird to to listen to someone that I used to to uh, hear on my TV. Um, and I want to, to thank everybody that follows me and is listening to this because it's been a wild ride. I remember starting and doing tweets, the same tweet in English and in Spanish, and I eventually dropped the, Sp- the Spanish because I didn't have the time to keep up with the games. Time for a little gensplaining. Today's topic, the waiver draft, the waiver deadline. What does waiver mean? Um, <laughs> Thursday, October 22nd is the waiver deadline for any of cell clubs. That means... Uh, by that day, clubs have to announce players they are re-signing for 2021 or extending a contract or offering a new contract to or waiving them, meaning they're, they're cutting them. Um, what happens at this point is if a player is waived from their team, there's I think it's a 24-hour period where other clubs in NWSL can claim their rights and then pursue a contract with that player. Um, All of this is, of course, leading up to having finalized roster lists before the expansion draft. Um, So we know who's on each team and then the teams get to decide who they're going to protect on their roster. So if you're a player who gets waived this week, um, it's not the end of the world because other teams might want to claim you. And if you're not claimed, uh, you are then free to pursue um, any team in the league if you want, because no one holds holds your rights or go abroad or whatever. Um, I think the important thing to remember about where we are right now in NWSL is there's about to be 26 new roster spots for 2021 and then another 52 <laughs> roster spots coming online um, for 2022, which reminds me, oh, yeah, Angel City confirmed their 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 team name for when they come on in 2022. All 
right, Jen Cooper, the keeper here with former, current, and future NWSL goalkeeper, <laughs> Aaron <McGraw>. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> also from the Canadian national team. Um, Aaron signed with Orlando Pride this year, but of course, it's been such a wacky year. Aaron, you're also over in Iceland right now. So first, um, you know, I have to ask, how is it in Iceland right now? What's it? What's it like? Weather-wise, social-wise, food-wise, how's it going? Um, wow. Well, um, food-wise, no complaints. Um, the fish here, all the food here is incredible. It's a little pricey. That's my only complaint, I guess. But um, <laughs> as as far as um, yeah, like I've been able to play the club here is called Starnan, and um, it's actually my partner's club where she grew up. Um, so it's been really nice, actually. It's two minutes away from where I'm staying and um, the club's been awesome. I've been able to train a lot with the men's side and um, that's been pretty incredible. Um, Right now though, there's been a surge in cases in Iceland. So um, we are on hold right now until October 19th until hopefully we can get the numbers down again and uh, we'll kind of go from there. So um, yeah, it's been kind of up and down, but it's been really, really nice to get some minutes. And like you said, it's, it was wonderful being at the pride and, and, and wonderful also to get a lot of games in. Well, so let's back up a little bit and talk about your decision to come back to NWSL. Um, you know, you, you left at the end of the 2015 season to get, you know, some European experience. And, uh, you know, so it's been a few seasons abroad for you. Um, what what led to you deciding to come back uh, to this side of the pond, shall we say, and, and signing with the Pride? I mean, was it one of those players that reached out and said, hey, you need to come join us? No, I mean, to be honest, like I, I was having, um, a lot of injuries. Um, I was in Sweden at the time and, um, I was playing in the Bundesliga first in Germany and then, and then in the Damasvenskan in Sweden. And, um, yeah, I had had a lot of injuries and I wasn't really getting healthy. And, um, you know, at that time I, I was on my own and it was pretty far from home. And I think, um, emotionally it was a really challenging year. So, um, I wanted to focus on just getting healthy. Um, I had literally, I had nerve damage. Uh, I, well, I had tarsal tunnel syndrome in my feet. And so every step was painful and yeah, it was anyway. And I I wasn't able to get healthy. And I finally, I mean, finally, but I had a stress fracture that turned into a fracture into my foot and I was forced to take some time off and, and in that time off, I, I went back to Canada. I was spent a lot of time with, um, you know, my family and a lot of time on getting healthy. And it was kind of like this point where I kind of like evaluated, you know, I just, you know, watched the World Cup and wasn't, I had to, you know, tell them I just, there's no way I could be a part of it because of the pain in my feet. And yeah, so I was in this place where I was like, do I want to keep going? And um, so I kind of just wanted to see where it, where it went from there. And then I ended up getting healthy and feeling really good. Um, and, um, you know, communicating, um, uh, pretty often with my agent and, you know, and then he said, you know, the pride is, is interested and, um, you know, and I was like, okay, are we going to do this? And then, um, and I was with my parents at this time, um, just training and, um, and then Canada kind of went into lockdown for the pandemic. Um, and so I had my, my poor father 
kicking balls at me and trading me as much as he could. Uh, <laughs> Uh, poor guy. Um, he had no choice, really. Throwing tennis balls, working on my reflexes. and uh, Anyway, I, I got my paperwork because I had to prove that I was essential. So they, I don't know if you remember, they they basically at one point switched to sport being essential in, in the U.S. And as soon as that happened, I was able to go and join the Pride. So it wasn't necessarily something I was, I was really unsure, to be honest. I was really proud of my career and I was thinking maybe this is it. And, um, yeah. And then I ended up getting healthy and, um, God, I'll always be, I think soccer's <laughs> number one fan. I'm just, I love it. I love the game so much. And I think finally being healthy and just feeling good and training and feeling good. What a difference. And, um, yeah. And then I was like, no, nah, I don't think I'm ready to give it up quite yet. So well, and you, you have uh, the luxury, shall we say, of, of being a goalkeeper where historically they do, their careers can last longer, you know. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, I think it's funny now, like I am, um, I would say more disciplined than ever in some regard, like, um, you know, I have to warm up for 30 minutes before I even step foot on a field and I'm always doing recovery. I always say that recovery is actually my full-time job now, but, um, so <laughs> things have definitely changed. I put a lot of work into what I do and a lot of, um, you know, work on the mental side. I mean, I have a, a GoPro, I record every training session. I watch my footage cause I can't, I can't train twice a day anymore, but I can watch training. I can use my brain and visualize. So, um, yeah, I've had to be more, creative and do things a little bit differently but um yeah i'm still so crazy about it you know what what's it like to to watch footage footage of your own training and and you know what are your takeaways from that well um it's been a really cool couple of years um you know, as we've talked about, I, I, you know, when I'm not on the field, I work on um, this program called the Mindful Project. We're launching our high performance program October 20th. And a huge, huge part of it is um, dealing with mistakes and learning and growing. And um, historically, I've had a very fixed mindset. I've been a perfectionist where, um, you know, if I make a mistake, I've have this like feeling of, um, you know, being like ashamed or feeling down or, um, it reflects my, you know, self-worth, but I'm going through this phase now where I'm starting to realize that I've learned that mentality. And so now when I watch footage, it's, it's, um, it's really cool because it's almost completely objective. I mean, sometimes I, I, I still curse my, my own name under my breath, but, um, <laughs> but, um, but in general, yeah, it's, it's it's just, um, I've become more and more objective, which is really quite liberating because, um, then you're, you just try new things. And, uh, the more you can try new things, push your limits, uh, the more you can learn. And, uh, I just feel very, very grateful that at the age of 37, um, you know, I'm watching footage today. I was like on a high because I, you know, something clicked in, in training today. And, um, you know, those are the moments now that I, I really just look forward to, you know, there's like, I don't know if the season is going to finish here. I don't know what's happening in the next few weeks. I was invited to the national team camp at the end of the month, which was canceled. And so, you know, there's so many things up in the air, but, um, you know, it's always about focusing on the things you can control and, um, to be able to put energy into, yeah, these little, you know, these little inches um, every day is is something I'm really grateful for. 
So there was going to be a Canada camp and now there's not. Yeah. So um, (laughs) no, it's, it's actually, it's pretty, pretty canceled hard. It's a hard no, no, we were, um, yeah, we were set to travel to England at the end of the month and it was really awesome. I had made the roster and, you know, it'd been a year and a half last time since I was a national team, but, but, um, yeah, there was just too much risk with travel and, um, with some of the testing protocols and visas, players coming from NWSL, just people, really players coming from all over the world. And with the rise in numbers right now, it was more the fear of people being able to get back into the countries they're coming from. And yeah, so just a lot of, uh, unfortunately, a lot of challenges. But um, having said that this year, um, I have learned so much about just being in the present moment in general with, with practicing mindfulness. But I think, um, especially this year, um, you know, I don't know if I'm going to have training tomorrow and, um, that's happening every day until October 19th. And, um, so really taking the time to put energy into the things you can control and, and kind of forgetting about the rest, I guess. (laughs) Now, how did you get involved with the mindfulness project? Yeah. So, um, so mindfulness has been a big part of my life, I guess, until, um, starting in 2008, I, I tore my ACL at the Beijing Olympics and I was like relieved because I, I, the game had become something I had put so much pressure on myself. I was so afraid of making mistakes. I just wasn't enjoying it anymore. And after that tournament, I just remember thinking I work so hard and I love this game so much. And like, I, I, I don't want to continue feeling this way um, every time I step on the field. So that's kind of how it started for me personally. Um, I was so fortunate to work with Dr. Kerry Evans. He, he now works with the New Zealand All Blacks. Um, during the 2012 Olympics, we had the pleasure of working with him and he was so wonderful. Like his motto is presence comes from being present in the moment. And um, I, I learned so much from him about just even like breathing tactics and just how to bring yourself to the present moment, which is, you know, the zone and also really the heart of mindfulness. And, um, so the more I practice it off the field and on the field, like the zone just became so accessible to me as an athlete. It wasn't something that was like so hard to get into. It was something that, um, just, yeah, it was easier to flow in and out of it. And so I think that was a huge shift. Um, But then also like really looking um, at my mindset. And like I said, uh, Dr. Carol Dweck writes this wonderful book called Mindset. And she explores, you know, like when we develop this um, fear of making mistakes, it's early as three and a half years old. Anyway, long story short, um, I'm, I'm playing in the Bundesliga and, um, Rachel Linval, Dr. Rachel Linval, who's my business partner now, um, her and her husband coaching Bethel University at the time, the soccer program there, and they love to travel. So they were getting inspiration from um, female teams around the world. And, um, you know, they are in town. I was broke and they offered me a free dinner and I said, let's do it. And um, we started talking, you know, she was getting her um, doctorate in mindfulness research and we just kind of started chatting back and forth and, and when I realized like it had worked so much for me and, and she was telling me about this research that it just works in general for people. And 
uh, we were like, we got to do something about this. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so we started actually with, um, I'm a brand ambassador for Canada Scores, which is an under after school program for um, vulnerable vulnerable youth, and um, they have about 14 schools. Um, and we so we started building this program that they use in all of their schools um, for like eight to 12 year olds. Um, we were kind of playing with age groups, but then we also created one for her university soccer team um, and some of her um, university classes. And then the research that we got back was unbelievable. And then we were kind of like, there's this one moment it kind of clicked. We were like, why don't we start doing this for like high performance, like athletes? Because that's something that we were both so passionate about. So, um, so yeah. So then from there, you know, now we're, this high performance program is, you know, we've got mental training videos. Uh, we've got like mobility videos, competition day, walk and stretch, which we've done with the national team, with the Canadian national team for years. And, um, you know, meditations that we were doing with the Orlando pride actually leading up to the challenge cup, you know, after games, because it takes me forever to wind down, uh, like a lot of players, uh, morning meditations. And then we have this personal development side of the course, which, you know, like hopefully <laughs> players don't, you know, don't wake up at the age of 34 like me and, uh, you know, they're able to, <laughs> to, um, to address how they deal with mistakes, how they talk to themselves, how, you know, practicing self-compassion and, you know, things like right now, like Black Lives Matter and, um, you know, we're looking at gender equity and, and um, the trans community and just uh, building empathy is a huge part of mindfulness. So there's, um, so many pieces that I'm like, so very, so very proud of. Um, but that I think at the end of the day, the hope is, um, to be, you know, a better athlete, of course, but also, um, learn how you work, um, so that you can become the best version of yourself. Well, and I love the, the point about, you know, how we react to mistakes um, and judging ourselves harshly because I remember when I was first learning how to play goalkeeper and, you know, and that was at an age much later than most people would, would be learning. Um, And one of my friends who had played goalkeeper growing up, one of the the best pieces of advice she gave me was that a mark of a, a great goalkeeper is how she reacts after she's been scored on. Yeah. Um, and and that was so in, enlightening for me because you can't keep that with you. You have to, you know, play as if it's still a zero zero game, regardless of what the score is. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, and now like it's it's really cool um, because I get to steal all of Rachel's research and and, um, and <laughs> what's great about it is if you're hard on yourself after you make a mistake or if you're negative towards yourself, you actually, it actually slows down your learning. So being self-compassionate, um, and being positive, um, after making a mistake actually helps you to learn faster. So it's, it's not, it makes you a high performer, but it's also, you know, better for your mental health. So, um, and I think too, the other wonderful piece of advice that you got is, is that staying in the present moment, like re like, the research right now is indicating obviously stress and anxiety, especially because of the pandemic. And there's, you know, a lot of new normals and um, where stress and anxiety comes from is 
literally the 60% of the time, this is for an average human, 60% of the time our thoughts are about the future and 30% of them are about the past. And that those are our moments of stress and anxiety. When we're in the present moment, um, that's when we don't have stress and anxiety. So it's another thing, you know, like to, you know, you can always, the beauty of, you know, footage now is you can watch just about everything and analyze something objectively and let it go and just be in the moment. It's the best thing for you and, and the fastest way to learn. I love that. I love yeah. that. And, and, and it has such, it has such great applications to this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that, uh, yeah, that, you know, you're making this big decision to come back to Anubisel and sign with Orlando, you know, preseason starts and stops, you know, then Orlando doesn't get to go to the Challenge Cup. So you had like this, you're getting back together in June and then, you know, and then, you know, going through that decision of, you know, do I stay or do I go play in Iceland? I mean, how, how did you right. make that decision? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think part of me was just ready for an adventure, to be honest. Um, um, I wanted to be with uh, my partner who was playing for Utah, and um, we had the chance to go to Iceland. And um, even though we're still playing on different teams here, her team's better than mine. <laughs> but um, yeah, so part of it was like an adventure. And, and part of it was, um, you know, I, I had been on the injury list really for almost a year. So just for the opportunity to get some games, um, was something that I really wanted. And, and a, a huge part of it, um, you know, I was in Orlando where there was like 10,000 cases a day of COVID and, right. and, in, and in Iceland, there was like two a day, you know, and it was for me, I was, um, yeah, like, you know, talk about mental health and struggles. It was, it was really challenging for me. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm an introvert and, and I could be a homebody, but it was still hard for me not to go to any restaurants. And um, so that just not to be able to go anywhere, you know, was was also really hard. I mean, I really commend the people and, you know, we talked about before the Challenge Cup and there's a lot of sacrifices that people have had to make um, this year in sport and obviously outside of sport. But um, yeah, so I, I think that was for me just wanting to play, wanting something new, but um, you know, also what we talked about, um, just things that are, are in your control. And, um, I've spent a lot of my life uh, focusing really on the things I can't control. Um, and I'm kind of, you know, we're kind of all in a situation where not everything is, uh, there's more things out of our control than usual. And, um, so I think it's just about bringing your focus back to the things you, you can control things you can do. Um, even though it's really hard, I think it's a struggle. And I think what I appreciate about this year more than anything is, is people, especially around mental health, being more okay with saying that they're not okay. Um, and cause I think there's always this pressure for, for a lot of people to say that everything's going well and, um, everything's okay. But, um, yeah, that there's a lot and of we're courage. So used to, we're so used to anytime someone says, how are you doing? Like, you're never going to say, oh, I'm not doing well. Or, yeah. I'm struggling yeah. with depression. You know, you're like, right. yeah, I'm doing okay. How about you? You know, that, that it, it's it's like, it's just a cursory response. It's not right. uh, the, the actual the actual truth. And, and, and I agree with your point that, 
you know, this year has upended so many things. And I think out of a lot of this awfulness, you know, we are getting some new normals that that could help, right? Where it's like, yeah, this isn't okay. And this is hard to deal with. And we all do, do need to be easier on ourselves, right? Yeah. Um, and that's why I have, you know, such such awe for the NWSL players this year, you know, that committed to the bubble, you know, I, and I, and I can't imagine, you know, what it was like for the Orlando players, you know, preparing for that, committing to that, and then not getting to do it. Right. You know, that, yeah, that, that was pretty devastating. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah that, that it's like, no, we've been training for this, you know, and, and having the season delayed, you know, um, and, you know, the fall series is a great thing on it on its own, but it's different. And yep. you know, it's also that like ev- everything's—I don't want to say last minute, but like as you've been talking about practice, like okay, everything's on hold, right? So yeah. it—it's funny that I, I think some of our pre-COVID mentality still sneaks in when you're like, why couldn't they have scheduled this on a different day, or why isn't this here? It's like, okay, people. <laughs> Yeah, so so much of this came together really late. You know, there's not a lot of options. Um, Yeah, and we're we're so used to having so many choices and and so many options. Like you were talking about going out to eat, right? That uh, you know, as anybody that listens to me knows, I, I I love to go out to eat. So that was such a strange shift in my daily life. Those first few months. Right. We're like, what do you mean? I can't go to a restaurant like ah, I need that. But yeah, we you know, we are very adaptable creatures. We just need to be easier on ourselves. Yeah, I definitely think. uh, Yeah, that's a huge part of it. And um, just the self-compassion piece. And, um, you know, I've always been so hard on myself. But um, yeah, definitely. And I think um, I've got to give props to Lisa Baird, like, um, she's had quite the year to take on. Um, and I think, um, you know, I think the NWSL has done their best to, you know, put multiple games on. I mean, it, it's really unbelievable if you think about, um, you know, that the fact that there was even competition happening um, in the U.S. period. And I agree, like the the players had to sacrifice a lot and, and make it happen. But having said that, I definitely think, you know, sport and um, getting out and, and being able to uh, connect really makes a huge difference. Um, and I think that's the first thing that I noticed when I was <laughs> like in my parents' basement is even as an <laughs> introvert, you know, like the just human connection. And, and um, it's funny because I felt like before uh, the pandemic, like there was, there is an obsession with social media and, um, people being on their devices a lot of the time. But what I found really interesting is, um, that was, you know, people still had the option of mingling and being around people. And as soon as that was no longer an option, it actually, for me, it was actually, um, in a weird way, kind of heartwarming that like these screens and these things that have kept us occupied are not enough. And like, there's no replacement really for human connection. And, and that you realize that almost instantly, a couple months into the pandemic of people in lockdown and um, just connecting over phones or being on their phones or on a computer wasn't enough. And um, 
So I think just really understanding the value of connecting with people that we care about and, and love and our teammates and whatever it is, it's, um, it's really, really important. Well, I was fascinated. I mean, I only heard heard the Dash stories of how they stayed connected during the lockdown, like constant Zoom meetings, and they broke up into different groups, not necessarily by position, and, you know, how they would welcome in new players. And, and so I, I'd love to know, you know, how, how other teams did it, just because that's that's unprecedented. No, no coach has experience yeah. of okay, you can't see your players for 10 weeks. How are you going to communicate with them and make sure they're training and make new players feel welcome? And, you know, like, right. Yeah. I mean, mind blowing. It, it is. Yeah. And like, uh, you know, with the national team, we were having like zoom workouts and, um, you know, with their pride, Mark Skinner, I thought he did a great job of <laughs> putting a lot of time into presentations and tactics and, um, you know, and, and Ashlyn and Krieger do a good job of like trying to have like some team connects and yeah, you find ways to be creative. And I, I remember like the fourth week of kind of being in lockdown. I was like, wow, I just literally live on zoom now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like what a shift, you know, I'd been on zoom like one time and, and then literally I had like six hours one day just on zoom the whole time. And, uh, but yeah, like you said, you adapt and uh, you, you make it work. And it's been so weird. I've, I've said this a couple of times on air and it feels weird every time I say it, but, it, but it's like, Hey, if you're going to be injured, this certainly was the year to be injured or to be coming back from an injury, right? Like I, I feel yeah, like all, all the players that play way too much, the ones that have busy club and country schedules, right? Like yeah. they got rest, you know, um, people with those nagging injuries that never get, you know, it's like you got rest. Uh, the people that were coming back from a major injury got an additional two or three months without losing any game time. It's just, it's, you know, it, it was just so strange because obviously, you know, there's not really anything positive about a pandemic, but there are some positives right. that we can pull pull out from this very strange situation. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think, I mean, obviously before this year, I mean, how many times do you think, uh, if I could just like put pa click pause on the world for a minute, yeah. you know what I mean? And it's like, it's actually what's happening this year. Um you know, and I mean, I'm not trying to make light of it. There's, there's a lot of obviously yeah. very serious things about the pandemic, but it is, it is in that way. That's what it feels like. I, I was talking to one of my friends the other day and I'm like, it's just this like feeling in my gut that I'm just like waiting, you know, I'm all like always kind of waiting. And that's kind of what I feel like this, this year has kind of been, you know, everything's just kind of um, on pause and you don't know for how long. And, um, but yeah, I mean, even for myself, like, you know, I joke about training with my dad, but, um, I know for me, like, um, training low and I'm, you know, I'm 37, I have to watch how much, and even the pause in our, our, um, season right now, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm not stressed. I'm still training and stuff, but I'm able to be off my feet a bit more than usual. And, um, I think you just, yeah, you just have to take it day by day, literally. Well, tell me a little bit more before we end the chat. Tell me a little bit more about uh, the mindfulness project, and if you know if listeners want to uh, get involved or find out more about it. About it. Yeah. So, um, like I mentioned, we're we're launching our high performance program October twentieth. Uh, we are called the Mindful Project. Our website is mindfulproject.ca. Um, we have 
We'll have individual and team programs available. Um, it's basically a 12-chapter curriculum, a personal development curriculum. Like I talked about, we talk about mindset, how we deal with mistakes. Um, we talk about dealing with pressure and, um, yeah, self-talk, a lot of things. Um, and then we have a lot of different mindfulness options because, like me, I didn't even know I was practicing mindfulness until years later. So um, just different ways people can try practicing mindfulness. It's, it's definitely geared towards competition. So day of game stretch, we've got meditations for that day, but also working in the habit of mindfulness in your daily life and how to get the most out of yourself. So again, October 20th, mindfulproject.ca. Um, we're very proud of it. And yeah, I just hope you guys, everyone checks it out. Well, and we can't wait to, to see you back in NWSL in 2021. Fingers crossed. Yes, fingers crossed. <laughs> that would be awesome. All right, time to wrap it up with the back four. The end of your cell fall series is over and done. And Portland Thorns took the Verizon Community Shield. They finished with 10 points. So they get $25,000 for their community partner. Houston Dash finished second. Washington Spirit finished third. You can still watch any of those games. Uh, if you're an international viewer, you can just... Um, Go to endofcellsoccer.com, click on any game, and the game should load. Uh, any game that was on CBS uh, or CBS All Access in the U.S. and Canada should be available uh, on CBS All Access for re-watching. And now we have underway the U.S. Women's National Team camp in Commerce City, just outside of Denver, Colorado. They'll be there through October 28th. Uh, there will be some virtual interviews. So, you know, keep an eye on any of the people that you follow on social media who cover the team for more information. Um, we don't have any information yet on what happens after this camp, if there'll be anything else uh, for the national team the rest of 2020. Uh, you know, we do know that the next scheduled matches for the national team uh, are, she believes, in late February. Other than that, lots of question marks. And of course, coming up very soon is the expansion draft for Racing Louisville FC. Uh, we should have the details from the league very soon um, of exactly how many picks they get, how many players each club gets to protect, um, and other details related to that. Um, regardless, we know that every team will lose at least one player, if not more. Um, and it's it's going to be really interesting to see who protects which players. Uh, those lists should be out, um, I think, next week, week after. Yeah, those those lists should be out in two weeks. So anyway, keep an eye on IndivisCellSoccer.com as that stuff gets revealed. It's been five years since we've had an expansion draft. So if you're curious about the previous ones, just Google IndivisCell Expansion Draft, and you'll find the Wikipedia pages for for the previous two. And last but not least, if you need some more Woso immersion, just go to keepernotes.com, click on Woso nerd links, and you should be satisfied there. 
That's it for this week's episode of the Mix Zone Women's Soccer Podcast. Uh, Want to give a big shout out to Icarus FC for their sponsorship. If you're tired of the same old uniforms and cookie cutter templates from Adidas and Nike and you want a completely custom kit for your Sunday league team or youth club, check out IcarusFC.com. And as always, thanks to everyone for listening, anyone who's subscribing or tweeting about this podcast, and many thanks to Sean and the Beautiful Game Network for making this podcast possible. But now she's anybody's girl.